Well, thanks for being here this morning. If you're here in person or you're joining us online or you're listening later, it's great to be able to worship with you and connect with you uh, over the course of your week or your month or wherever you're at in your faith journey. My name's Corey, and I get the honor and privilege of being the lead pastor here at GFC, and we're right in the middle of a three-week series that we've simply called Together. And we're talking about the idea of biblical community. What does that mean? How do we build it? How do we interact with one another? And one of the things that is true for me, I hope it is true for you as well, is that you're hoping that this fall or in just the next few months, we can be back together more. Uh, My son, who's going into second grade, has not spent one year fully in school yet. His kindergarten year was cut short. Uh, first grade, he wasn't in person until very late in the year, and so we're hoping he gets to be together with other students and other teachers for a whole year. Maybe you're hoping that you're back together with a team or with a group or with a band or with your family or something like that, right? The hope is that we can be together more very soon because of circumstances changing and getting better. And so part of that, too, for us here at GFC is that we want to be together more. I want to meet more of you. I want to be able to spend more time with you. And so we're thinking about this idea because we think as we move into fall, we just get back into certain rhythms, right? We get into school, we get into different things. And so we want to think about this idea of being together, engaging with one another, and also how do we encourage one another in that process as a body of believers. And that's what we're going to talk about Today, But I want to start with a question, and I want to see how many of you are like me uh, when it comes to this. How many of you would say that you suffer from FOMO? If you don't know what that is, I will explain it in a little bit. Okay, good. My wife knows what it is. But if you, if you don't know what it is, let me ask the question a little bit differently. What are the things that you fear you will miss? So FOMO is a shortened version of fear of missing out. Okay, that's what FOMO is. And so sometimes we would fear that we would miss out on something. I realized that I suffer from this greatly when I was in college. Um, I would make very poor decisions uh, that did not help my studies or my sleep pattern because of things that my friends were doing. And so if we got to the point where I was studying or had a paper that was due the next day and it was you know, 10, 11, midnight, and I'm working on this thing and someone says, I'm going to Wawa, do you want to come? My answer was always yes. By the way, my answer to do you want to go to Wawa is always yes, okay? But in college, it was, a, it was not necessarily a great idea because it was already late and I had a project or I had a test or I had something, but my mind would always go to I don't want to miss what's going to happen. I want to be a part of the fun. I want to be, go and hang out with this person. I want to X, Y, Z. And so I still am that person. I will stay places too long. I will stay up too late. I will hang out for too, like it just it's just me. I want to hang out. I want to be a part of that and ultimately what happens when you're suffering from FOMO or you're processing this idea is that we would say I don't know what I will miss, but I don't want to miss it. I don't know what's going to happen that I may want to be a part of, but I don't want to miss it if it does happen. And here's here's kind of the central idea that I would hope for us and I want to talk about today is I hope that that attitude of I don't know what I'll miss, but I don't want to miss it, is the way that we feel about church. I want us to feel like if I'm not there on Sunday or I miss small group or my kids miss kids ministry, I don't know what they will miss, but I don't want to miss it. I don't want them to miss it. And so we're going to have a conversation today that's a little bit about our commitment to being part of 
a body of believers. And to do that, we're going to start in Hebrews chapter 10. So you can follow along. We'll put the verses up on the screen for you. You can also go to our website, mygracefamily.church, and you can follow along there. You can find all the notes, all the verses. You can even email the notes to yourself or ask a question. And of course, you can always open on your own phone or your physical Bible if you have it. But in Hebrews 10, we're going to go to verses 19 and 20 to start. The writer of Hebrews says this, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. Now, I want to just say time out for a minute and process these two verses because for us, they would land very differently than they did for the first readers of Hebrews. Let me just talk, let me just read it again. It says, and dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place. This was a very important phrase that the original readers of Hebrews would have heard and thought of the temple. Before Jesus was around, there was a physical temple with a holy of holies that only certain people at certain times could go in. And so if you, as just whoever you were, if you weren't the right person at the right time, if you entered that space, you would die. That was, that was the thing. You were not able to go there. It represented the presence of God, and you weren't allowed to enter the presence of God. But what the writer of Hebrews is saying is we can now enter heaven's most holy place. This was a very different idea and a very big change in their understanding of how they worshiped God. Because if they knew and understood the reality of the temple, and that's how they grew up, especially if they were Jewish, they knew that they were never able to enter God's presence that way. They were never able to go and worship him that way. And now what the writer of Hebrews is telling them is that they are welcome to do that by the blood of Jesus. And so it changed for them because now they had access to God that they had never had before. He goes on in verses 21 and 22 and says, And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. So not only does he say you have access, he says, walk into God's presence boldly because we trust God because he's taking care of our guilty consciences and he's washed us clean from our sins and so we can enter his presence. There was a fear that went along with entering God's presence before Jesus was around. Because like I said, you enter that holy place and God is there and you're not supposed to be there, you're dead, you're done. So there was a fear when you would enter God's presence. And what the writer of Hebrews is telling him is that fear can go away. You don't have to worry about that anymore. You can enter boldly. And so the awesome thing is they were told that they now had freedom to enter and freedom to worship. There was no more distance between them and God because Jesus had torn that down. We talked a few months ago, if you weren't here, you can go back and listen, but we talked about the idea that there was the curtain that separated people from God. And that curtain was a constant reminder of their sin and that when Jesus died, that curtain was torn and it was gone. And so they have that freedom to enter and freedom to worship God whenever and wherever they wanted to. This is why we say at GFC, like, come as you are, right? Why? Because you have the freedom to enter God's presence and to worship him whenever you want. It's not like we've ever set up a curtain and we like put this up here and we hide and only Pastor Andrew and I are able to come in here. Like anybody can come in and we can worship together and we can enter God's presence together. And so this was a big deal for them, and boldness replaced their fear. This is what the writer of Hebrews is telling them. Don't, don't be fearful of God anymore. Don't worry about this. Enter boldly. Worship 
God boldly and engage in that on a regular basis. But what I fear and what happens sometimes for us is that I think too many times boldness is replaced by apathy. And what we're called to do in boldness and in coming into God's presence and to worshiping him is it just becomes old. Because here's the thing, right? We've never, anyone in this room, we have never understood a reality where there was a temple and a place where we could not go and if we walked into God's presence, we would die. It's never been true for us. And so we've always lived in, if you're a follower of Jesus, you've always lived in the understanding. You can go to God and pray and worship him wherever you want, wherever you want, anytime. Doesn't matter. You can just be there and worship him. And what the writer of Hebrews is teaching these people has, has become old for us. And this happens too, I think, just in life, right? Sometimes you've always wanted something. You've always wanted XYZ car, right? And so you finally save up and you get the car and it's awesome. And then like two years later, the transmission goes and you're like, I hate this car, right? It just, it, all of a sudden things change. Or maybe it's the job you thought you wanted for so long. And after a year in or so, it's just like, I, I didn't want this anymore. And all of a sudden things don't look as good as they did when it was on the showroom floor. And we get apathetic about it because it's become old. And even though it was something that was supposed to be so incredible from the beginning, it turns into something that is just old. And sometimes this happens with us because we've never had that fear of God. We never, we, we've been told to enter boldly, but that doesn't mean as much to us because we've always had access to God. But what we have to understand is it wasn't always that way. For us to have the access to God and the ability to worship that we do today, which is an incredible thing, took Jesus dying for us. It took him breaking down that barrier between us and God. And that's what we celebrate on Sundays. It's why we worship on Sundays. The writer of Hebrews goes on to say this in verse 23. He gives us some instructions based on this reality. He says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Verse 24, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. In verse 25, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So he, in these three verses, he points out three things. He says, hold tightly. He says, motivate. And he says, do not neglect. Let me put three other words up there on the screen for us so we understand. He says that we are to have belief, that our belief, our hope in God, our understanding of who Jesus is, is supposed to Change the way we think. Change the way we interact. It's supposed to inform our decisions. He says you're supposed to take action. We're supposed to motivate others to good deeds. And so there's an action that is we're called to as a part of this. And he says, do not neglect me together. So there's a commitment. So there's belief, there's action, and there's commitment. This is what I believe is the call of us as followers of Jesus as we interact in a faith community. That our belief would inform how we live and the decisions we make and the things we make a priority, that there would be an action to what we do, that we would engage in, in worship with others and, and ministry with others, and that there would be a commitment to meeting together, to being here, to worshiping together, to praying for one another, to doing all of these things that we know are true and are supposed to be done in a faith community. And the reality is, maybe you've heard it said this way before, but being a part of the church is an active and not a passive experience. You know, one of the things that's true and that has uh, changed in the landscape of church over the last like year and a half is if you read studies and you kind of just pay attention to what's going on around the country, church attendance overall 
like go before pandemic to now, is down about 20 to 30 percent. Just depending on where you are in the country, some churches that's not true, some churches it is true. It just it just depends. But that's the average. And one of the great things that was established over the course of the pandemic was that we had the ability to do church online. Like before COVID, we even GFC, we didn't have live online services. And so we have this great opportunity where we can engage from wherever and we can worship for, from wherever we are and we get the opportunity to do that. But the other side of that temptation is that online becomes option A instead of option B. And I'll be honest, I felt this, I've said it before, I felt this as a pastor even during, like, it was kind of nice to not have to get up on Sunday mornings. I am, I am, I just told you, I will stay up way too late. I am not a morning person. I'm an evening person. So if I had to get, it was like, okay, great. I didn't have to get up. We had to do a lot of work ahead of time to have online ready, but I just didn't have to get up. I could be at home. I didn't have to worry about that. I, I felt that. Okay. So I know you felt that for sure. And so as we walked through that, I also realized something that when you try and do church at home, especially when you have children and a dog, like things just happen, right? So somebody needs a snack. Somebody has to go to the bathroom. The dog has to go out. This has to happen. That has to happen. Like it's just, things just take your attention, right? It just happens and you're not as focused as you should be. And I realized that. And so what I, what I want to say, what I, I don't want you to hear me say, don't feel guilty about going on vacation, okay? I'm going to go on vacation next month. I'm not going to be here one Sunday. Sorry. It's going to happen. Don't feel guilty about being sick. Okay, if you're if you're sick, please stay home. Please don't give us your germs. Even before COVID, people would show up at our kids' ministry and be like, here, my kid was throwing up yesterday. Here you go. Like, would you not contaminate the rest of us with your child, right? Just stay home if they're sick. It's okay. It's okay to go take the boat out for the weekend. It's okay to go to the cabin. It's okay to do those things. But here's what I want us to understand. Online is plan B. Plan A is to be in the room together. That should be our motive. That should be our goal. It is easy for, I get it. It's easy, it's convenient, it's awesome. I'm glad we have the opportunity. If you're watching at home, don't feel guilty. But at the same time, it should be plan B. Plan A should be to be here and to invest in others. So I want to go to another passage really quick. I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 4. Sorry, I said that wrong. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 4, it says, There is... There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. Let me stop there and just kind of help us understand what's happening. Paul's talking about the fact that the same God gives us different opportunities and different abilities and different gifts that we are then to use to build up other people and to worship Him. And so there are different ways that we can invest in one another and engage with one another and worship God in the process. Okay, let's keep going. Verse 6 says this, God, God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. Now I'm going to jump down. We're going to jump to verse 25. It says, This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. Verse 27, all of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. And so what Paul tells us is we, we all have these different gifts and abilities. And what we get to do is we get to use those gifts and, and abilities to be together with other people, to help other people, to minister to other people, to encourage other people. And in doing so, we worship the same God all together. 
I would say it this way. Our purpose as Jesus followers is to play a role in the story God is telling through our local church. Our purpose, what God has called us to as a part of the local church, is to be a part of the story that God is telling in your community or in our community as a part of the local church. So let's just say you're visiting today, and this isn't your local body of believers. I would say this for wherever you are, that your call as a follower of Jesus is to be invested and playing a role in the story that God is telling through your local church. One of the things that we say here at GFC, if you haven't heard me say it before, you will hear me say it again in the future, but it's that if we left tomorrow, we want our community to notice. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean, if we just decided to pack up and we were going to move somewhere, we closed the doors, we shut the building down, we sold it, whatever we did, and we just stopped being a church in this community, in New Holland, in Elanco, whatever, that people would notice. That it wouldn't be like, oh, that church left, nobody, there was a church there? Like, we don't know, right? Our hope is that we people would notice. Why do we want to be that way? Because we want to have an investment in the community so that if we were gone, people would say, where did that church go, right? Where did those people go? Why are they not here? Why didn't I get a call this year? Why didn't I get a glow stick at 4th of July? Why didn't these things happen that they used to do? Because they saw us as a blessing, one of the things that makes me think of um, is when I watch a show and there was like a crime that took place, right? And so whether it's a show or movie or something, and they go to the crime scene and they're starting to figure out like what went on. They start to dust for things. What are they dusting for? Fingerprints, right? Why do they look for fingerprints? They want to look for who was there, when they were there, who they start to chase down maybe to figure out who was involved and what's going on. But here's the thing, right? If there are no fingerprints, no one would know they were there. Well, here's what's true in our community. If we don't leave our fingerprints, no one would know we were here. And so the challenge is that we would engage our community in this way. And my challenge to you is that you would engage your faith community this way. I'm going to say something that's going to feel a little bit insensitive. I promise it's not. I'm just trying to be real. There have been times, not at GFC, but in other ministry contexts I've been in, where people leave and they don't say anything. Now, this is pre-COVID. I get it. COVID did a lot of weird stuff to people's church attendance, and we're all over the place. But here's what happened. Like, pre that, like, normal situation, somebody just leaves a faith community, and they never say a word, and they just kind of disappear. And then, like, a few months later or a year later, they have a conversation with somebody from that faith community. They have a conversation with me. They have a conversation with another pastor. And they say, I left, and no one, no one called me. No one sent me a text. No one did this. No one did that, right? We just disappeared and no one knew. And one of the questions that I would ask, one of the questions that another pastor in that situation might ask is, were you serving? Were you part of a small group? And usually, not all the time, but usually the answer was no. Let me say something that it's going to push a little bit of a button, but here's what I want us to understand. If your fingerprints aren't left on your faith community, you're not going to be noticed if you leave. You should be invested. You should be coming and being a part of a service team or something like that. You should be coming and being invested in other people's lives in a small group or something like that. And sometimes we go, okay, great. There are people that serve in kids ministry. There are people that serve here, there, whatever. But there's other ways to do this too. There are new windows downstairs thanks to Harry Heller. There's, that's a fingerprint on our church. Lynn Ruckel shows up sometimes and takes the weeds out. Like those weeds are afraid of her when she shows up because she goes after them, right? There's other ways to leave your fingerprints on your faith community. One of the best 
people that I've ever had the opportunity to see this happen with. Um, her name was Miss Sandy, and she did kids ministry at Gateway for a long time. And when she she passed away from cancer a few years ago, but until, literally, I'm not joking, three weeks, I think, before she passed away, she was making iced coffee for all the volunteers at Gateway Church. Like, she just left her fingerprints all over that place. And we all remember she's gone to this day just because of what she did. And so I don't say that to be like a jerk if you're not connected or if that story has happened to you. But I say it because our calling, I believe, from Scripture is that we would be invested in a faith community so much that our fingerprints would be left on those around us. And so the question we have to process today is, are your fingerprints on your church? Have you been invested? Have you been engaging? Have you been investing in other people? I want to go to one more passage today. It's in 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 13. And the first sentence of verse 13 is this, and I want to focus on this first sentence because I think it's so important. So 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, the first sentence is this, so prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. I've said this before too, and I will say it again. The best way to be sure that you're going to make the right decision in a moment is to be prepared for that moment before it comes. So mentally, we get to a place where we say, I'm ready for this to happen or that to happen, or if this happens, this is how I'm going to respond. And so what, is, what does Peter say? He says, so prepare your minds for action, be ready for that time, and exercise self-control. Be sure of what you're going to do in a situation before you get there. He goes on in verse 13 and says this, put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. Verse 14, so you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, verses 15 and 16, but know you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. He gives us this challenge. He says, Think about it ahead of time and be self-controlled. He says, before you were a follower of Jesus, you lived your life the way that you wanted to and you made the decisions you wanted to make. That's what we're going to be asked to do culturally. It's going to be, what do you want? How do you do what's best for you? How do you live your best life? How do you center yourself around you? And Jesus calls us to the opposite. He says, make decisions that, Invest in others. Make decisions that put yourself aside. Make decisions that cause, cause you to cause other people to live better. And so he says it this way. I would say it this way. I should say, I will always be in a better place if I look more like Jesus and less like me. That's what a faith community is. It's a community that's decided, I look better when I look more like Jesus than I do like myself. And collectively, we decide to do that together so the others of us encourage one another to look more like Jesus and not like ourselves. That's what a faith community is. We've recognized, I don't look so good as me. It would be better for me to look like Jesus. Now, there's inherent tension in what I'm talking about today. Because the reality is, if you're listening to me, and I might have this thought process if I were you, um, and I was skeptical, I would think, well, of course you have to say this, Pastor Corey, because if we all showed up, you don't have a job anymore. 
right? If, I, if we don't show up, we don't give, you don't get paid. If we don't come, you have nowhere to go. You and Pastor Andrew are out. Like, so, of course, you're going to ask us to come because if we don't come, you've got nothing to do, right? I get that. And I understand that sentiment, and I understand, especially if you're not a follower of Jesus, that me asking you to give your time and energy and resources to GFC seems pretty self-centered. But here's what I want you to understand. We're not asking you to attend. We're urging you to invest in growth. I know that it's true years ago, and I don't know if you went to a church like this. I, I, didn't, I was not around for this time, but I've heard stories of when you would come in, at the end of the pew, there would be a sign-in sheet. And so you'd come in, and you'd sit down, and you'd sign up, you'd you know, write that you were there, and you'd pass it to the next person, okay? One step further, some places, I don't know about here, I don't know where, but, but I've heard this story, you would get a pin for perfect attendance. So you, I mean, you come in, it's like, man, I've been here every week for a year. Look at me, right? It sounds fun. It's not a good idea. We're not going to do that. The point is, that's not what we're trying to do. We're not trying to arm wrestle you into being here. The point is not to come and just put butts in seats. But the idea is that we would come together. And like I said, we would be committed to looking more like Jesus and less like ourselves. Because what I believe 100% is that if you are part and invested in a faith community, it will make every aspect of your life better. Now, what do I mean by that? Because that sounds fluffy. Here's what I mean. I mean, if you're invested in a part of a faith community and actively putting your fingerprints on your faith community, you will be a better husband and wife. I, I believe it's true. If you look more like Jesus and less like you, you'll be a better husband and wife. If you decide to be a part of a faith community and you invest in it, you put your fingerprints on it and you're there on a regular basis, you will be a better mother and a better father. I just believe it's true. I think that if you did that, you'd be a better son. You'd be a better daughter. You'd be a better employee. You'd be a better employer. You'd be a better coach. You'd be a better teacher. You'd be uh, All of that will be true because Jesus is better at all of those things than we are. And so if our drive is to look more like Jesus and less like ourselves, it's going to influence every aspect of our life, and it's going to be a positive place for us to be. One of the things I talked about two weeks ago was the the – struggle that our family went through when my mom passed away. And one of the great things we had was a faith community around us that upheld us and supported us. So even in the difficult times, in the in the most dark times in your life, if you've got that faith community around you, we, we get to uphold you. We get to help you. We get to walk with you through that. When you get to do something that's awesome, when there's a great part of your day, when you get the promotion and you get the thing, like your friends at church, we get to celebrate that with you. That's all a part of it too. And so our encouragement is not just simply to attend, but we would urge you to invest in other people and to be committed to growing yourself. You know, the reality is, I believe that formation comes through repetition. So what you decide to repeat in your life is going to create habits for you, right? Same is true for me. You've seen this with anything in your life, right? You, you do something for long enough, it just becomes a habit, whether it's good or it's bad. And so my ask to you is, what are your church habits? What is that forming in you? What is it causing you to do? How is it influencing your day? Can I ask a really pointy question? Parents, what is your church attendance forming in your kids' church attendance? What are they learning? Because, again, statistically, normal church attendance today is two times a month. Now, again, 
You're going to think I'm telling you to be guilty if you miss a week. I'm not telling you to be guilty if you miss a week. I'm just saying, what is your commitment level? What are you supposed to do? What do you, what do you feel? How often are you supposed to be in that place? Because the formation is going to come through repetition. And what we decide to do is going to form what our habits become. So I asked you at the beginning of this conversation, do you suffer from FOMO? And I want us as a faith community to think, when we think about church, when we think about small groups, we think about our kids and kids ministry, we think about service days, we think about all this stuff. We, I don't know what I'm going to miss, but I don't want to miss it. So my challenge is this. First of all, don't miss it. Be here. Be engaged. Get in a small group. We're starting those in October. Be there. Engage in those areas. But also the secondary point to this is don't cause someone else to miss you. Because when you're not here and your gifts are missed, whether it's, it's a kid in kids ministry, whether it's someone that needs to see your smiling face at the door, whether it's someone that needs to just engage with you and have that conversation, that person misses you when you're not here. And so not only is this a don't miss it for you, but it's a don't miss it for someone else or don't cause someone else to miss you. I hope you don't walk out of today just feeling guilty. I don't want us to feel guilty. But here's what I know it's going to happen over the next couple weeks, okay? School's going to start. Sports are going to start. Hunting season coming, okay? So I'm going to be coaching soccer. My son's going to be playing soccer. He's going back to school. My daughter's going to be in preschool. Hunting season's coming. All of these things are going to happen, okay? It's just reality. And you know what we have to do? And again, I have FOMO, so I, I, I say yes to too many things, right? And so I do, don't look at my wife right now, okay? She's just going to be smiling and saying yes. I say yes to too many things. I have too many things going on. So I have to make a decision and say, what's going to be at the top of my priority list? What did Peter say? Think about it before you get there. Before the schedule is completely full and all of these things. And the last thing that happens is, well, guess what? I can, it's like, all right, I can, I can just watch church online, right? That's just, we can just do that, right? If you're sick, if you're away, if you're, if you're good, do it. Watch church online. We would love for you to engage there. But be here. Think about it. Don't let the other things come in and influence whether we invest in our church community or not. Make that a top priority. Make that something that is a commitment. So here's my, here's my challenge for you. Every once in a while, I give, you, I give you a challenge. I want you to literally walk out the door and have the conversation in the car, have the conversation when you get home or whenever you're going to have it. I, I want you to think about and look at the rest of the calendar year and say, look at the weeks, look at what's going on in the calendar, and commit to how many Sundays you're going to be at church. That's what I want you to do. And then once you make that commitment based on anything else that's already scheduled or whatever else is going on, stick to that commitment. Unless you're sick, unless you, something happens, right? Emergencies, I get it. I'm not saying those aren't important. But think about it. If you're married, have that conversation with your husband or wife. How many days are we going to be at church through the rest of the year? And make that commitment. Make it a priority on your schedule. Put it on the schedule if you need to, right? Sunday's here, going to church, right? That's on the schedule. It's a reminder. Maybe it's a reminder on Saturday night so that you remember and to be a part of it. My goal is not 
not to guilt trip us. I know I pushed some buttons today. Sometimes it's my job to push buttons. It's not to guilt trip. It's not to make you feel bad. It's not to whatever. It's to move us forward and to say, as we get back into this state of hopefully being together, we make the commitment to be together. We make the commitment to say, I'm not going to miss it for my own spiritual, mental, emotional well-being, but that I'm also going to commit at a level that's going to not cause other people to miss me. And I can use my gifts and abilities to invest in others because we believe as a faith community that we look better when we look like Jesus than when we do when we look like ourselves. Would you pray with me today? Lord, we're grateful that you give us the opportunity to be part of a faith community. And we're so grateful that we have the opportunity to be online, to engage that way, to listen to podcasts, to do all of those things. And when we can't be here, we can still connect with our church family. And we're so grateful for the gift that you've given us of technology. We ask that you would give us this renewed commitment to say, we're going to be present We're going to leave our fingerprints. We're going to be invested in our faith community because we believe it's the best thing for us. Because we see that looking more like you is better than looking more like ourselves. We ask that you would make it clear in our hearts and minds, not out of guilt, not out of obligation, but that there would be this renewed investment in our spirit and desire to be a part of that community because we see the benefit that happens. We see the the blessings that we get, that we get to give to others, and that we get to be a part of when we are engaged in faith. Again, we thank you for the fact that we can come boldly into your presence and we can worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.